Welcome to Duct Tape and Paperclips. I'm Nathan Hartswick. And I'm Annie Russell. This is the show where we rewatch, review, and ridicule every episode of MacGyver for the first time since our childhoods. That is correct. And right now we are breaking down season two, episode 15. The title is Pirates. Pirates. Uh, will it hold up? We're going to find out. But first, let's catch up a little. Annie, what's going on with you? How's things? Catch me up. It's, things are good. I am so excited that things are starting to feel a little bit more normal. Like I was in a comedy club this week. Oh I, my God. Not only did I perform, but I watched sets. I had a glass wow. of wine at a club. Um, it felt really weird <laughs> um, to be back what was weird about it? Was it the being in the comedy club part or is it the performing part or both? You know, it, it definitely was both. You know, I have to say that like to say that I felt rusty was a complete understatement. I think it's going to take a little while to mm -hmm. get our our bearings back, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, I'm very grateful to my past self, which thought to um, transcribe all of my jokes, even the ones that I felt that I knew by heart and put them wow. into like a Trello. Um, and I did that maybe <laughs> a year or two ago. And like, thank whatever you believe in that I did that because like certain jokes you're like i'm never gonna forget this this is like yep. total muscle memory turns out you you can uh, forget you totally it. do yeah i mean i've taken large breaks from stand-up before and then gone back to it and i've been on stage and made the decision on stage like oh you know what i think i'm gonna pull this joke out of my ass yes. and, and do this old joke i used to do and then like four words in i'm like i should not have done this i do not remember the punchline yeah <laughs> <laughs> and there's, you know, there were some jokes that I I have, which are, you know, I might have remembered when I was like kind of shaking the rest off with this set. I may have remembered like the main final punchline, sure. but then there's all these like sub punchlines in there that I'm like, yeah. oh, I skipped that. I skipped that. So like, thankfully, I I recorded myself and I listened back, which like now more than ever feels like so important to do yeah. because yeah. we're like relearning how to do stand up because I'm sorry, but Zoom didn't count. Like right. we, whatever <laughs> that was yeah. uh, is not the same thing as performing in front of uh, a crowd. Cool. That's so fun. Um, was the audience like receptive? Were they different in any way than they were previous? Like, could you feel it? I feel like people were really excited to be out. Um, I did observe, uh, since this is kind of like my first um, West Coast, like really doing stand up for real out here. Like I've only done stand up out here on trips before this. Hmm. Um, just seeing how audiences are a little bit different. Um, the word townie is not something that people know. <laughs> <laughs> really interesting. Yeah. Is there a synonym you could find? I I, I'm going to have to, uh, yeah. I was able to do like a quick explainer for my joke and then people yeah. like settled in and, and got it and <laughs> laughed, but it was just like, Oh, interesting. And huh. you never know that for all the comics who travel, who might be listening to this, you sort of like never know until you say something right. like how a certain regional kind of attitude is going to be. Um, yeah. so that was kind of a fun one for me. That's funny. Cool. Well, that's fun. I'm glad you're doing that. I am feeling a little bit of what we've been talking about, though, which is that like 
I can only take things in small doses right now. Like I went out for maybe an hour and a half to two hours and I was like, whew, okay, like yeah. time to be inside for another week. <laughs> the idea of like, um, of, you know, going to a sh- like a second show after that or going out the next night was kind of like a non. It's, I know, it's very odd. I just did a shopping outing, not even a social thing. <laughs> And I'm just exhausted right now. You did an um, errand and I you're like, errand. I got to yes. lay down. <laughs> well, you know, I was literally buying dog beds because uh, it is time for my dogs to learn how to be without me again. Um, we've got to train the dogs essentially on how to like go to bed in the crate when we go to work kind of thing again. So I'm standing in line and it's like this, you know, six feet apart on the floor thing, the little circles on the floor, you know, everybody's dutifully standing there six feet apart with their masks on. And these two, like, I would say 16 year old girls are behind me just standing like directly behind me, like one inch from me. You don't have to tell me. (laughs) I just got back from Whole Foods this afternoon. Yeah. There, the woman seemed like, aggressively unwilling to give me the six yeah, feet of space. Yeah. Like, uh, it was like, no, we're not. Well, it was this. so clear to me. Like they were talking about the things that the little things that were in the aisle, like, well, we should get this <laughs> and that looks good. And they're just chatting. They're just 16 year old girls and they're chatting. And I, and I don't think they ever look down at the floor because they're 16. Like, of course they're not paying any fucking attention to anything. Why would you be aware of your surroundings? Right. Exactly. I, I mean, <laughs> so, so I'm just standing there like, and I'm vaccinated and I'm, I'm trying to determine like, do I turn around and make a big stink of this or not? Like, but I make, I just make the decision like, okay, it's going to be two minutes. They don't, they're just oblivious, whatever. And I, I have a issue. I have an issue with people not being aware of their surroundings during regular times. Mm -hmm. And so I was always hyper aware of that, but now it comes with like, like we just spent a year watching people like willfully being like, Mm -hmm. you know, getting in people's spaces and making it a political thing. So I don't know. It's hard to just kind of blow things off because you're so much more hypersensitive now to your surroundings and to the people around you. Yes. Yes. I've been more sensitive to it, but one of the things the pandemic has taught me, like, it's okay to ask someone for a little space. And like, now I feel totally fine just saying like, Hey, can you give me a little space here? Like, I'm just, I'm not feeling comfortable with this. Whereas like, that was fine the whole time. Like I could have said that in a million different situations in my life. No one would have thought anything about it. You didn't have to stand there fuming for two hours. Exactly. (laughs) Like, do you know how many like rock concerts I've been to where it's like some, you know, there's one um, instance at higher ground uh, in Vermont, which I can think of where this white woman with dreadlocks that's, I'm not saying I'm not making a value judgment <laughs> on that. I'm just saying she was a white woman with dreadlocks, like was just dancing very much in my personal space and like yeah. whipping me in the face <laughs> with her dreadlocks. And I just like, I wish I had had the language at that yeah. time to be like, yeah. Hey, like not in a rude way, but like, can you just give me a little space here? <laughs> because like, who can argue with that? That's like a complete yeah. normal human <laughs> thing. But of course, in my mind, you know, for the past 30, whatever years I've been like, I'm just going to be mad about it to myself. Yeah. I'm going to sit here and no take the lashings from this woman's hair. Yeah, uh, I'm going to let someone be <laughs> in my space. I am going to stew about it. Never 
really tell anyone. Um, yeah. <laughs> just go. To I mean, bed. I think that's great, and I I think there is one step for me before that happens, which is I got to learn how to talk to people in public again. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I can't. I just I clam up now when I'm in public because I'm yeah. like I don't have the the. There's not enough emotional energy in the tank for me to be like, <laughs> okay, kick on the extroverted gear so you can turn around and tell this person, can you back up, please? Just give me a space. So I think I, I think you're right. I think we'll be a, a little more uh, willing to ask for space, but uh, I got, yeah, I got to learn how to be social. But it's also, <laughs> I do feel like for me, when I see someone sort of in a very ignorant way, taking up a lot of space in public, mm -hmm. like for me, my mind and my sort of attitude goes to like, you know, I'm making a lot of judgments about them and their own entitlement, right? Because yeah. to me, I'm like, how entitled do you have to be to walk around and think you're the only person right. that needs to be in this space? Um, yeah. Because I think I tend to be way more the like, polite, like, yeah. let me not say anything. We're cursed just, with courtesy. It's yeah. But, but I find myself sometimes jealous of those right, who right. move through the world and are just like, Oh yeah. You know, Imagine. like I want this. Let me Imagine take it right now. Just blowing past everybody, getting what you want, having almost no consequences for it. <laughs> right. And not even having the self-awareness to be embarrassed right. about it. Right. <laughs> Like you don't even know what you just did and no. you're just moving on to the next thing. I think a lot of it is that like, I think that's a trait of artists too, a lot. Comedians yeah. is, uh, especially is that we're, we're, comedians are constantly watching people and very aware of, you know, and empathetic toward people and uh, yeah, being self-aware. I mean, there are a lot of comedians who are not self-aware, but the good ones are. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I think people are like, and so I'm, I guess I'm calling us good comedians and good people. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, I think well, that's I have to agree it. with you there, Nathan. Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, we've pat ourselves on the back long enough. I think, um, I think we should start the show and bring in our guest. What do you think? Yes. All right. I'm excited. Cool. Our guest today, he is an incredibly funny comedian. We've had the pleasure of having him perform at Art Club in Vermont several times, uh, once with the amazing Jeannie Yashere, once with Joel Kim Booster. Uh, you've seen him at the Boston Comedy Festival, at San Francisco Sketch Fest. Please welcome our pal, Gwesi Mensa. Hi. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. It's great to see you. Um, it, I I feel like um, maybe you're sucking up a little bit by wearing a Vermont Comedy Club sweatshirt on our call, <laughs> but I appreciate it. No, it's required. I send that to the guests ahead of time. I'm That's like, Nathan loves it if you wear. Oh, what if that were a thing? Like you were going behind my back with the guests and making sure that they were like, you know, tailoring everything they do to me. Um, well, it's like my go-to dog walking uh, thing. Nice. He taught me like I just finished walking the dog, and it's like, all right, I just need to grab whatever I can, and this is the comfiest thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it, am I remembering this right from social media? Did you buy a house recently? <laughs> Get married <Yeah>. recently? <laughs> You've done a lot of like, like adult shit lately. How's it going? It was going well. Uh, yeah, we did things a little, we were going to get married then buy the house. Uh, and then get a dog, but then, you know, that all got jumbled in a <laughs> pandemic or a pandemic as some people are calling it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, bought a house, got married now waking up at like seven thirty AM to let our dog out. It's mm -hmm. like, it's like this one year I instantly entered like dad mode. It's really weird. <laughs> if you're going to do those sorts of things, you know, you finally have the bandwidth like to kind of do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's also part of like, uh, uh, 
we were always going to be looking at houses and we were always going to be thinking about getting married or whatnot. But I think part of it is, you know, when you have to spend a year in your home, you start thinking about like, all right, maybe this is a time to get serious about getting a bigger space. Yeah. Yes. Right. <laughs> like first world problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and how is your, I mean, everybody's had a different, I feel like everyone's had a diff- different experience, like creatively, like some people kind of like, uh, uh, have kind of been unable to do much and that's fine. And other people have been like super productive. Like what have you been up to creatively? Anything? Um, not stand up. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I basically, I tried to do like zoom shows at the very beginning of it, yeah. but then like, even in my style is a lot of like playing back and forth with the audience, which you kind of lose. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of, it just didn't feel like authentic to me and how I do stand up. I know lots of people who are grinding even over zoom and that's a whole other thing. Uh, <laughs> no judgment. I mean, Annie's laughing no at them, judgment. but no judgment. I'm laughing a little bit <laughs> no because, ju- like, no I ju- know many dear friends of mine who I respect immensely yeah. are grinding over Zoom. I can't personally do that um, yeah. because I have found the shows to be very yeah. Um, hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like I can't imagine. Like, I remember the nights where you spend like, oh, I have to spend two hours at the show. There's really only two or three people here. I actually think it's funny but I'm at least grabbing a drink and catching up with people and half listening to the other comics on the show. Yes. Whereas with Zoom, it's like, oh, I actually have to listen to all of your jokes. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And in uh, many cases, like you're you're expected to react on camera and it's, you know, um, In some obviously- ways, it feels like a little bit of a like karma for comedians who have sat in the back <laughs> of clubs for years and years to be like clockwork orange their, their coworkers and have to like watch and laugh at every one of their jokes or there's no audience. Like it feels a little bit like a comeuppance <laughs> for being rude in clubs all those years, but maybe, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so are you like looking to get back out into, into stand up, or are you doing other things now? Uh, I'm thinking about it. Uh, like I started like doing like some other creative pursuits. Like uh, I was taking like a short story writing class and whatnot, and that got fun. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's that it's this weird thing of like, I have a dog and a house. And mm-hmm. and so this is like the one year I was already like having that like panic of like, I am a comic in my thirties. You know, it does not look like I'm moving to New York or LA soon. What does this look like for me in a way that's responsible to my responsibilities as a 30 year old? And just as I was like having to figure that out, I kind of the world said you have to press pause on this. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was kind of a good time to sit down and think through all that. So, but the way I pursue comedy on the other end of this is probably going to look very different than the way I pursued it before this. Hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting and responsible and self-reflective of you. <laughs> <laughs> More like I was, I've been forced, I think if, the, I think if the pandemic didn't happen, I probably would just be like burnt out. I yeah. think the pandemic is the thing that forced me to slow down and think about it. Yeah, I think this is really relatable and it's, it's strangely enough, not something we hear from a lot of our guests. A lot of our comedian <laughs> guests are like, I'm just doing these rooftop things and I'm trying not to die. You know? <laughs> um, so it's, and, and I can really relate to this. Like I've done a lot of this myself in the last year and it's really, it's been a real like uh, eye opening kind of year of like reassessing your priorities and yeah. what you want your next five years to look like, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's also, uh, I mean, to be honest, I've had, friends and family members pass from COVID-19. So like, mm. there's a part of me that's like, oh, I'm going to risk it by doing a rooftop show. It seems like disrespectful to yeah. people in my yeah. life who have been taking this super seriously. Yeah. And I think also there's a, that thing in comedy where if you have like the stable day job and you're like, you're not doing comedy hardcore and hustling, you're seen as not taking it seriously. But right. then the last year being like, 
my stable job and my stable insurance has made this pandemic a lot easier to live through compared to some of the people who are like, I'm super serious about comedy, but now like all their bar shows have dried up. Right. And you see all these people moving back home to live with their parents because, yeah. you know, they don't have that, they don't have that safety. And I think this pandemic made me realize how much I love having like a strong, like support behind me. Hmm. Yeah, I think this is like, I I will always be an in defense of day jobs person because <laughs> that's just, I, I don't have the constitution for freelancing or for like trying to grind out, you know, to cobble together an income. I know that works for many people. I am too anxious a person to <laughs> do that. Um, so for me, like I, I feel like a, a day job for some comics is amazing like for me it's allowed me to to pursue comedy in a way that I don't think I would have um because I think I would have been like more paralyzed by the the sort of like open schedule of it so I feel like anyone who says that uh day job folks aren't taking comedy seriously it's like if anything they're doing more <laughs> like they're doing more work um and they're better at managing their time <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's it's no disrespect to someone who's like chosen to throw, you know, absolutely every ounce of themselves into their comedy career. Um, but it also just there's a trade off that comes with that. And, you know, I think we're learning uh, over the course of this last year that, you know, there there can be a balance, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, and that can be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Well, uh, uh, we've made you watch an episode of television from the eighties. Um, I, I don't know exactly when you grew up, but, uh, are, were you familiar with MacGyver at all in the past? What kind of shows did you watch as a kid? Uh, I was very familiar with MacGyver. It's funny. Cause I think season two would have been 1986. I think so 86 that, or 87. Yeah. 87, 86, 87. 86, 87. So that was the year I was born. Oh, so wow. I, I was like new of MacGyver, but I don't think I ever like sat down and watched it as a kid. Hmm. Um, Although it's funny, this is a sign of like how much of a dork I am is I know Richard Dean, like I knew of MacGyver, but when I think of Richard Dean Anderson, I think of Stargate. Okay. (laughs) So there's most people that come on this podcast are aware he did Stargate, but that's like how you know him. I think you might be our first fan of Stargate. (laughs) Uh, I'm in the middle of a rewatch right now. Oh I'm shit! Still, I'm on the seasons after he left when it went to crap, but I'm still watching it. Okay. And so it's so weird to be like, because, <laughs> because in that show he plays someone who purposely plays down his intelligence, and like in this show it's like, no, I know what I'm doing, and I'm like, oh, this is so. And it's also you could see like how the years have like aged him because like by the end of Stargate he was like on like I think it was the fifties or sixties, and he basically retired because he was like i can't be rolling around on the floor anymore right yeah right <laughs> the very beginning of it in uh um in uh macgyver and you're like okay he did have it back in the day okay yeah you <laughs> yeah, could yes. move and uh, yes and i think what's interesting is that this show in particular basically ruined his body like he had all these health issues later in life um, because of like doing his own stunts and um, oh. like going really hard <laughs> um, <laughs> as MacGyver. So that's what that was also a thing I was interested in watching. And I was like, at what point did they swap him or are they swapping out doubles or how much was that actually him doing stuff? And it sounds like it was actually him. Yeah, he had a stunt double uh, or several of them. And there are some times in this show where it is very obvious. <laughs> <laughs> um, but But he was like, 
you know, he, in interviews and stuff, he talks a lot about that, about the fact that like they hired him and he was all excited to do his own stunts. And then of course, because he is the guy, they don't want him doing all his stunts because then yeah. it's a risk. So he, but he did, he did talk them into letting him do a lot of his own stuff. And there's some stuff where like, for instance, next week's episode, he skis and there's a whole lot of footage where you're like, oh, he's legit a good skier because you can yeah. see <laughs> his face in the shot. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so he, it, but it did wreck his uh, body a little. Um, uh, I, I'm just curious, like, so you got into Stargate like as a kid and watched that show? <laughs> uh, well, it was like one of those, like, you know, those shows that they would have on like UPN or Fox at like four or 5 p.m. on a Saturday when mm-hmm. you're bored. Yeah. And I remember... <laughs> being a nerd enough in uh, college where people people would make fun of me for watching Stargate, but then watch Battlestar Galactica. And I'm like, yeah. you, <laughs> that makes you so much better. Are you serious? Right. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. There was a lot of in the sci-fi channel had a lot of weird yeah. stuff on it. Yeah. 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 Well, there's like, a, I actually, I could probably do a podcast about Stargate because there's a whole bunch of weird issues about it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we should have watched Stargate for this, if anything. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> It feel I feel real kinship with you because I feel like people care exactly as much about Stargate now as they do about the old MacGyver now. Like nobody yeah. gives a shit. And when you're like trying to you're trying to connect with somebody a, about a show, it's like I mean I've yet to meet someone who's like oh yeah MacGyver was also my jam. Uh, maybe Sean Donnelly. I guess he was maybe the closest. <laughs> you had a couple people on here. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. I know a couple of other Stargate people. I will yeah. say that um, they yeah. tend to also be like into sci-fi. So yeah. like. I know a lot of people who like both Battlestar and Stargate. Yeah. I don't know any other hardcore original MacGyver people. Yeah, like yeah. you are the <laughs> yeah. only one. <laughs> and it's not like with the new MacGyver, he's like, oh, this guy is like the great nephew of the original MacGyver or something like that. Right. Nope. He's just <laughs> Angus MacGyver. Uh, same character, different situation. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, well, we have to jump into talking about this episode, I guess. Uh, when we do this, we have uh, Annie read out a little summary for anyone who might uh, forget what happened in this episode. So, Annie, would you summarize pirates for us? Yes, I would be delighted. Um, MacGyver is called in by the Navy SEALs to investigate some recent robberies they're getting blamed for because the thieves are using SEAL techniques. That's a direct quote. The real <laughs> culprit is modern pirate Gar Manning and his two Uzi wheels henchmen. They board the ship of maritime historian Barbara Ortega and steal Spanish artifacts, then kidnap her so she will lead them to an even bigger treasure. MacGyver catches up with them on an abandoned island full of old landmines, dispatches the pirates one by one, and frees Barbara, who is happy because the treasure will be used to help children with war injuries. (laughs) And that is the episode <laughs> amazing uh that's a lot um we like to start just by talking about like low-hanging fruit what's the stuff we absolutely have to talk about about this episode Questy, what was your impression what are the things about this episode you want to talk about <laughs> i like how like the first 10 minutes of it were just it was just navy seal porn it was just yes. like <laughs> i know and by the way that <laughs> could not have been footage that they filmed i'm i'm <laughs> no. pretty sure that was like stock footage yes yes no, it's like like when you watch the Power Rangers and you can tell like what the original Japanese footage yes. was. <laughs> oh, and like and I had to like look it up. It's like, the, is this one of those like, because you know that whole thing where like the army and navy would like give shows money to portray them nicely. And I was like, I wanted to see if this was like part of that program. Yeah. This made no oh my sense. God. Yeah. Very 
pro Navy SEAL. (laughs) It's a pro American show as it is. So there's, it wasn't a surprise necessarily to me, but I definitely, uh, it went like the extra mile with this one. I I just thought it was funny that like, basically what the, what the Navy is saying to MacGyver and the Phoenix foundation is, uh, check out how awesome we are. Boom, boom, boom. We blow up the beach. Hey, there's some people out there smearing our good name by stealing shit. Uh, will you go investigate? And they're like, fuck yeah. It just like (laughs) the amount of trust in the military industrial complex, just because they blew a bunch of shit up on a beach in front of them is quite amazing. Uh, you just wouldn't get away with that level of trust in government today. I don't think. Yes. Yes. One thing I didn't realize is how much, uh, they rely on him self narrating. (laughs) <laughs> yes. like when he's getting out of the boat and how much it is like i need to explain this da 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 da, da. and it's like interesting because like as like a t like a nowadays tv snob like we hate that type of uh mm-hmm. like we have narrators but it's almost never like the we just need to get exposition out mm-hmm. whereas they're like yeah we can't have like a random person stuck in there for him to explain his strategy to right right and that is what it is it's like he ends up alone a lot and when he's alone It's so funny because it's show don't tell, right? He's doing the thing. It's not like we're not seeing him do the thing, but they're just so, they're just so, they really think we don't, we need an explanation. Well, I don't know how much of it is like they shot the scene and they're like, all right, we don't think people are going to be smart enough to put together what he's actually doing or whatnot. All right. Yeah, but it, that was actually another scene where it's like clear they have like a lot of close shops, close up shots of his specific face. So it was like, oh, they are like kind of drowning him. I'm assuming in like the safest way possible. But. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah. What about you, Annie? Did you have any like low hanging fruit things? Oh, boy. OK, I'm going to say this. Um, I was really relieved. Like I saw the title Pirates. Um I really was worried that we were getting into maybe a Somali pirate situation (laughs) and i do not trust this show to handle the nuances of that yeah (laughs) um so i was very relieved that we just had some like run-of-the-mill evil white people um because that i was relieved (laughs) one of the few times in the last year you're relieved to see that the other person at the end of the gun is a white guy (laughs) yes (laughs) This show, like, does its best on representation occasionally, but, like, the way they actually, like, frame the characters and portray these characters and cast these characters are always so abysmal that I was like, okay, I'm just glad it's not, like, a Captain Phillips scenario (laughs) right now. Like, I was really worried that was going to be what it is but with that being said like the pirate crew like i was (laughs) they kind of ruled like i was sort of rooting for them i have to say um because like barbara ortega was just like she cared so much for and they did like they did not do a very good job of showing us why it is she cares about this you know, maritime <laughs> archaeology yeah. because it's like, okay, is she, does she work with children or is she a maritime archaeologist? Right. Like, pick a lane, Ortega. I like, um, I, yeah, I like how it wasn't until like the end of the episode when she's back safe and I was like, yeah, I need that to send them, make all these kids have surgeries. And I was just like, what? That wasn't that explained seems at all. Like the strangest yeah. justification for this, um, this entire thing. Um, so the yeah, those are like my big takeaways. I was very relieved, but I was sort of rooting for those uh, pirate guys because I feel like 
some of those villains were better actors than we've seen on this yeah. show. <laughs> well, yeah. one of the um, henchmen is like a character actor I've seen in a million things. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So the guy who plays, I think it was with the darker, longer hair, who was kind yeah. of the second henchman. He, I mean, uh, listeners of this month, podcast might best remember him he was on new girl as their landlord yeah. like recently wow. yes. um so like hmm. yeah he's been in everything he had like you know couple seasons on sons of anarchy which is not a show that i watched but that's like relatively recently he's like been around hmm. um and for like richard dean anderson was on general hospital i think <laughs> much more recently yes than he was dean on <laughs> general hospital for like a season and a half so, so um so yeah i felt like the i was kind of into the pirate yeah. and gar manning i mean first of all what a name and secondly yeah. what a hammy hammy performance and i loved i just loved how many times people the, his bad guys said gar hey you got <laughs> just like <laughs> it just you know it that whole like what are we doing now boss kind of mentality oh, well how about this the so the the armed forces guy who's going over the plans with them mm -hmm. and he's like you know checking off all the islands and it's like well they could be on this island they could be on that island yeah. He totally buries the lead that like this is an island that's full of landmines <laughs> that this guy for sure knows about because he tried to be a Navy SEAL right. and this is 100% where they are. Yeah. Yeah. I love how. Yeah, exactly. Even MacGyver's like, this is do everything that you're saying about why <laughs> this is a shitty island is exactly why he would choose it. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. they're right. They're there right now. Oh, <laughs> as is, as usual, MacGyver's the only one with half a brain in the room. Um, Pete's no help. We know that. Uh, one of the things I wanted to point out was that, uh, you know, obviously this little kid thing, I mean, th <laughs> like, like if you, <laughs> you really want sympathy if you're bringing in a child with an eye patch and a crutch, you know, like this yeah, is yeah. like garden variety. Like let's, let's make them feel like, feel like what they're doing in chasing this Spanish treasure is somehow connected to little kids who need surgeries. Right. Um, but I had a few problems with this. One was she has a line where she says uh, they, they want to return the treasure to its rightful owners, the people of what was Spanish America, which and I assume when she says that she is not talking about Native Americans, <laughs> right? Like no. the Spanish came no, over here and no. fucking stole all this gold and cut people's hands off. And she wants to give it back to their descendants. Right. <laughs> so so it, the whole colonial kind of uh, yeah. mentality there has a problem. And so I'm also assuming now she's like saying. Now there's like a huge, like whatever, Latinx population in Southern California. Great. So you're going to use the money from the treasure to like build them schools. Fine. Why are they injured? Why, why did we have to? And then they, he asks why. And she says war. And she never mentions <laughs> what war. She just says war. <laughs> also, like we are, we are in Southern California, correct? Oh, For that's another thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I looked this up, by the way, and it seems like the treasure they're talking about is associated with a 1715 uh, disaster that sent a whole Spanish fleet to the bottom of the ocean in Florida. Exactly. Oh. Um, and she says, she says Monterey. She says they're in Monterey, California at this point. So I mean, not that anybody gives a shit. I'm sure yeah. there's a maritime archaeologist sitting out there screaming. But that's what I don't understand. It's like you're in California, but you're saying these children were injured by war. Like right. what war are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. Did they come from some kind of Central American conflict? And if so, like, 
It just made no yeah. sense. It made no sense. It was like, just pile on the things that might get us sympathy and make it okay that we're plundering Spanish treasure for our own profit. But I also like the idea of like these kids were damaged in the war, but like one of the first questions he asks when he sees this new guy is, oh, are you two banging? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they, they go out of their way to let us know that MacGyver <laughs> speaks Spanish. He understands yeah. what the kid is saying. Yeah. I, I think this episode should have been titled No Cash, No Splash, because that, <laughs> that was, was the sign, right? The, the sign, sign yeah. that was at that boating place. That oh. boat guy was, <laughs> I mean, RIP, um, yeah. the, the, the doxman was the funniest character in this episode. <laughs> and I just love the no cash, no splash sign. Um, it really yeah. should have been the episode title. It could have tied in <laughs> to the treasure missed opportunity. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I thought the treasure chest that they brought up uh, when they first discovered that treasure chest and she pops it open was just in incredible shape on the inside. Like, <laughs> like almost like a prop yeah. master had made everything inside of it. And, yeah. uh, I just thought it was hilarious that she and her assistant are immediately unrolling these 300-year-old documents <laughs> on the open ocean. <laughs> like, take it back to dry land before you unroll this shit. Oh, my God. I have pe- I know people who are, like, actual archivists who would, like, like you said about the marine <laughs> biologist who would be like, oh, my God, what are you doing? Yeah. They made a big deal about it being perfectly preserved. They would be like, great, now we can take it back to a sterile environment. Right. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and she was, I mean, Ortega was really like, she was like, has impulse control issues because <laughs> I couldn't like, there was that like, Oh, let's open this up. And then when, you know, the pirates were attacking them, she's like, having to be held back when she's trying to like get closer to them because she's like, I have to be able to identify them. Mm. Who's <laughs> like, that? like if someone is trying to hurt me, I am hiding from that person. Yeah. I am not trying to get closer to them. On the other hand, we're constantly talking about how women have no agency in this show. <laughs> so the fact that she is trying to do something about the situation is a step in the right direction. Although sure. one thing that's weird about like the like the weird way they treat women, did they ever explain why she couldn't start the car to get away? Why she was just like, <laughs> a, is she just bad at cars? Is that it's like women are bad at cars? We don't need to explain that. Maybe there's a special trick to MacGyver's Jeep that only he knows. <laughs> Who knows? I did appreciate how useless they made her assistant though um yeah. that guy didn't do shit <laughs> yeah i called these guys when they finally boarded the boat i mm. was thinking i was calling these guys the wetsuit mafia because they were like <laughs> <laughs> they get on board they're like stay still stay quiet stay alive um, yeah. it's so fun to me how do they know that like oh so she's been looking for this for 15 years and suddenly they roll up five minutes after she's discovered it. And just, I mean, the timing associated with that is so good. And also just the idea that these guys would be the crew that's like doing research to figure right. out this like weird buried treasure and what the maritime historian who's like knows yeah. about it, where she is like, that's, that's a job for somebody on the dark web or something back at the <laughs> HQ, you know, like yeah. that's not these guys. They're just yeah. going to like, I mean, they even made reference to like, these are the guys who are like knocking off liquor stores and hmm. stuff. So like, it just didn't even track that they were the ones doing this. Yeah. Gar really for all his genius and brutal nature 
really just got the two dumbest <laughs> strong men to help him out, you know, because they're constantly like, what do you mean? We got plenty here. And he's like, there's more. We got to go after them. There's other. It's like, yeah. it's yeah. And I like and well, I, I guess I don't want to keep jumping around in the no, episode. Please go for it. But the 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 his side guys seem to be obsessed with rabbits on that island. <laughs> like every time something they blew up and it's like, ah, oh, more another rabbit or time for a rabbit dinner. And yeah. I'm just like, you guys really like rabbits. Okay. It's also a... called Goat Island. So yeah. it's, <laughs> it's called Goat Island. <laughs> Kill a goat. <laughs> I also just, I love seeing Uzis in television shows. I mean, remember Uzis? They were so cool back then before it was a major gun it violence was, crisis. Yeah, really, really jarring to see that. Yeah. Um, and also, I just loved how MacGyver's solution to that was to just tie these two guys together um, and not really incapacitate them in any way. <laughs> yeah. um, it's just like, just hang out here. I kind of liked it. I kind of liked the way that he kind of like lured both of them in like little traps mm -hmm. and stuff. And then, uh, yeah, I, I and I, I found the I found the mine scenes with him actually suspenseful. You know, I was yeah. like, yeah. I was kind of hooked on it. Um, although when the second one ends up being a dud, very quickly picks it up and puts it in his bag. Um, yeah. You know, like this is this is he this is a guy who two two minutes earlier picked up a bomb, threw it down onto the rocks, and it exploded like ten seconds later. And he's like, the minute he realizes this thing is a dud, he puts it right in his bag. And I'm like, this you, you should maybe wait a sec. Um, I know. I also yeah. was struck by his adventure purse that he had. Like he had <laughs> this little crossbody, which he never ever has. It just so I happens know. that when he needs a landmine. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't need it either. He put it in his shirt later. He put the landmine. <laughs> I was expecting that to be the payoff of like at the very end, once he rescues Ortega and he throws the dud. Yes. It explodes and you're it like, explodes. oh shit, it wasn't a dud. This is I really, I a hundred percent thought that was going to happen. And yep. I was like, they should have written it that way because yes. then it's like, you've actually been in danger this whole time. It, these yeah. are the kinds of things I try to get behind, get into their minds. And I almost wonder like, did they shoot it both ways? Did they yeah. shoot it with the explosion? They were like, we're going to add a explosion sound effect later and either they never got around to it or they did it and some executive was like no you can't do that because it yeah. like makes it seem like blah 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 and they had to take it out yeah. you know like yeah. it, it just it feels like that was so well set up that the fact that that wasn't executed felt like there has to be mm -hmm. a reason right they had to be yeah. aware that that was like what they were working toward wait i actually now that i'm thinking about the mines where in the U.S. do we still have active minefields? Because these people weren't international at all, right? In no. Goat Island off of Monterey, California, Chris. <laughs> yeah, Goat Island. No one's yeah. allowed near it, even though there's zero signage. Yeah. And somebody like Pete, um, MacGyver's <laughs> boss, who is the most useless piece of crap <laughs> on this show, can just run a, a boat like right up to it right. when there's active landmines. Mm. Um, with that being said, I did... I liked everything about that. Like I really liked how Pete like came in and did that kind of mm. wide turn. And that's mm. how MacGyver was able to like hop off the boat yeah. until he actually washes up on the beach, which is one of the more conspicuous things I've ever seen. <laughs> he is in a full head to toe black uh, wetsuit. Yeah. And then all his clothes underneath is like completely bone dry. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I did notice that he like gets up onto the beach and his hair is wet. And then in the very next shot, it's like completely dry. 
um yeah i liked um we had another memory stimulation scene annie do you remember we mm-hmm. <laughs> one of our previous uh episodes we had a memory stimulation scene that wasn't as successful i felt like this one was a little more plausible yeah that mm-hmm. she recognized the sound of the boat um, oh yeah that was yeah. insane it was like <laughs> they just happened to have like seven stock <laughs> stock video of seven different boats to show her and you can consider, like, she wants to get their faces when she should have just been listening and knowing what RPM the boat was referring <laughs> at. Yeah, for and sure. And it was enough for them to figure out what kind of boat it was. So that that was sort of satisfying. And I kind of liked that little play they did um, to resolve that where, you know, they, they show back up to the docks and they just get rid of that guy. Like, that kind of, that did heighten it. Um, oh, you mean the, when they stabbed the guy? When they stab the guy, yeah. yeah. When they kind of go back because they realize, like, she knows. Right, um, right. And like, then they, they impersonate know, him and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they know what uh, what boat right. they're working with. Well, it also, like, helped me because, like, I haven't been watching a lot of MacGyver, so it raised the stakes. Like, I didn't I didn't know if this was going to be, like, one of those Scooby-Doo type situations <laughs> where, like, mm-hmm. no one's really getting hurt. And I was like, oh, yes. they just straight up stabbed that guy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that and you, there's a you lot of episodes. Wrong. Yeah, there's a lot of episodes that are very Scooby too, like um, in that way where it's like it feels like everyone's kind of running around on a, the set of a play, and it's like okay, none of this really matters. But I sort of like when they make a choice to like, okay, no, the, these guys mean business. This yeah. is like a real. And they do danger. it in the most like primetime family friendly way possible. They stab the guy away from camera and he falls yeah. forward with no blood. You know, it's very, yeah, it's yeah. very much a tame thing. Um, I also thought MacGyver and Barbara in this episode do a shitload of public blabbing about what's going on and get oh overheard God. by yes. the bad guys in every case. The bad guy just slipping in while they're talking about the best way to exchange the coins and then yeah. walking away. Like, are you kidding? Yeah, and then later the the big guy too overhears I love talking. when that big guy is just on a dock yeah. and just like, lo- like looking off the side, <laughs> leaning over. It's like, yeah, you're going to question who that guy is. You're not yeah. going to just loudly talk about the plan next to him. Of course, now all I can think about is last week's episode we had Sam Evans on and he was talking about how the signal for 80s villains is big guys in denim. <laughs> and I was like, oh, and here he is. That's the big correct. guy in denim. Yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, oh, I I, I really liked, I liked the sort of like ending thing where he ended up, like we had that nice fucking hero shot of him on top of the bunker when he like appeared on top of the bunker with holding the landmine. And yeah. then the, the subsequent fight where he chucks the landmine down and then he has that line where he goes like, don't drop it, don't drop it. And <laughs> before he punches him, I really loved that because it was like, it was comedic, but it was also like effective. I don't know. That yeah, particular I thought that was I a better fight scene than we've seen. Yeah, yeah. From MacGyver. Although the part where... Um, when he's capturing the second henchman and his like arm just like shoots out of the ground. I yeah. felt like I was watching like a haunted house that a teenager yeah. made. Yeah. Like, now that was a Scooby-Doo moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, for a second, I remember watching that and I didn't understand what was happening with the stick. And I was like, did he actually spear this guy through <laughs> and leave him as a message to the next guy? <laughs> It was like, there's no, at no point did it enter my mind that that could happen. Cause I'm like, right. MacGyver would just never do that. Yeah. Um, but then when he was just like 
next to him and punched up. I was like, oh my God, this is what I would have, my brother and I would have done, you know, as a haunted house to trick somebody. Right, right. (laughs) I I, I always like to write down lines that make me laugh. And uh, one of them was, hey, those seal tactics really work. And the other guy says, like cream. (laughs) Like... They make a huge deal out of these seal tactics. And I think, I think it's because, you know, back in the day, we didn't have a really good idea of like what special ops people did. And so like, it almost feels like, Oh, we're going to let you behind the curtain and let you see what Navy SEALs do. And the idea, like, I would love to talk to a Navy SEAL and ask them, do you think someone could take your tactics and use them to their own advantage on the open ocean to rob an archaeologist. Just wondering, you know, like it's so ridiculous, but they are so proud of the idea that someone's stealing seal tactics. But I, I like the idea also that this, the gar guy was able to get pretty far in the seals before they're like, oh yeah, it doesn't mental. Okay. Right. Now that you're like, now that we've taught you everything we know, right. I will make sure you're not a, We've given you all the murder techniques, (laughs) but like now let's do a background check. And also like the idea that the U S military has a character background check is fucking, (laughs) that is funny. Like that is the best joke. Yeah. That is the best joke in this show (laughs) because they said like, Oh, well, you know, like the character, his care, you know, his background, his character wasn't up to par. And I'm like, the U.S. military is not checking for that. No, they are no. handing guns do you to mean, a lot of people. Do you mean that he wasn't psycho enough to be a Navy <laughs> yeah, SEAL? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I just love that, like, the other modern-day uh, Navy SEAL in television that we all are familiar with is, of course, Elliot Stabler from Law and Order <laughs> SVU, yeah. someone who has straight up murdered six people um, yeah. on the job. So, like, they're not doing a background check. Yes. Oh, I still haven't watched the episode where he comes back. Yeah, it was a little, it hits a little different now, I have to say. Yeah. Like, it was a little bit... Um, like they bring him back and I'm not going to spoil anything in the episode, but um, one of the things they go over is like his history and SVU and how many people he has (laughs) shot. Um, And you're just like, Oh, okay. So this, um, yeah. And yet this guy still has a job. Cool. (laughs) I am unfamiliar with all of this because I'm not a law and order oh. guy, uh, but no. I do like Wet Hot American Summer. I think we're talking about the same guy, right? <laughs> Chris Maloney, yeah. yes. <laughs> Oz heads um, yeah. can also yeah. get in on the conversation. Yeah. I I also, I love Oz as well, yeah. but um, yeah, I feel like those are the like famous Navy SEALs and no disrespect to actual people that have been in the Navy because one of my good friends actually um, was a, she was in the Navy while a lot of like the modern day pirating stuff was going on. And I did ask her what she thought about the idea that, you know, these, uh, these so-called pirates would just like hop on an archeologist, uh, boat. And she was just like that, that is not a thing that would happen. (laughs) (laughs) It would probably surprise me more if she'd said yes. Um, Another line I liked was when the big guy says, it's not pushing it, it's out over the edge. And Gar's response is, being on the edge is how you know you're alive. 
<laughs> which is just straight up like that makes no fucking sense but it sounds cool it was like it, it felt like they wanted to make gar just like he's not just an evil person but like psychopath yeah showy yeah. yeah for sure uh what did we think of them the so we haven't talked about some of the macgyverisms in this episode mm-hmm. he takes the shop vac and blows pellets in people's faces so that was what i was like really that's like that's like you saw him like holding it up and i'm like for all the like the myth of macgyver the fact that he could put together (laughs) that he could blow pellets in people's faces that's the first big like thing that's supposed to make me excited about watching the show yeah because it was kind of the first macgyverism of the show you watched yeah (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. this is it really sometimes that's all it is just he loves a like dumb distraction and that is exactly what that was it's like let's distract and run buying ourselves roughly three seconds um yeah we've got like but he escapes from the i did like this was new him escaping from the sinking boat and his plan not working and then him having to come up with a second plan in a very short order that has never happened before. Like his plan just always works. So it was kind of fun to watch one of his things fail and have him have to like do something even crazier, you know? Yeah. And that uh, like, it did feel like he was drowning and that was like, uh, yeah, that was a nail biter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's also, you know, it's like the eighties. So you're like, they don't have nearly the same precautions. So they probably actually (laughs) Adam. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the number of times where we've been like, why does Richard Dean Anderson have a bandaid in this episode? And then we look it up and he's like, oh, he slashed himself in the previous episode by accident. Yeah, exactly. Like they just keep going. I mean, in the eighties, it was not uncommon to like have a friend that knew someone who died at a water park. So like, I'm (laughs) not, I I don't think the (laughs) safety precautions were on point. Yeah. yeah, Is there an HBO max documentary? Documentary on like one of the New Jersey water parks. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, I've yet to watch it. It's it's really good, and it's definitely um, Chris Gethard is in it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He, I think he is contractually obligated to be in every <laughs> I mean, documentary Jersey. about New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it, that was the like the type of place where I actually think I went there when I was a kid. But of course, I didn't go on any of like the real, really dangerous things. But um, yeah, those places were wild, and I feel like. Um, if that's any indication, I cannot imagine that they were like taking every precaution for these like water scenes. Like yeah. what? Right. I have a little bit of, there's a website out there called the MacGyver project that, uh, breaks down all the episodes and one and the digest on this particular episode, the guy writes them, got in touch with the director of this episode and got a little paragraph in re- in reply. Um, Bruce Kessler is the director's name and he, he only directed one episode of MacGyver and this is what he wrote. <laughs> he said, Nick, here's what, what little I can remember. First, the producers asked me to do an episode to try to solve whatever problems they were having. This is something we hear a lot. He doesn't go into any detail about what the problems were. Um, I liked Richard Dean Anderson, who was capable of doing whatever was asked of him. I didn't like the way John Rich, that's the producer along with Henry Winkler, um, talked to some of the production staff, also consistent with some of the stuff we've heard. I hired (laughs) Ransom Ranny Walrod as the Marine coordinator. It was his first job in this field, and he went on to have a long, successful career as a Marine coordinator before retirement. (laughs) That's it. Uh, So... Who the fuck knows? But we're hearing it this particular time anyway in the MacGyver history. It was a bit of a tense set with a lot of yelling going on. So that's actually, I remember watching the credits roll. I'm like, Henry Winkler? Yeah. Yeah. I did not know he was like, I didn't know he had like a TV producing run also. Yeah. Yeah. And this, this was his first uh, production um, project. So right out of happiness. So does he ever (laughs) guest star or... 
I think he does once. Yeah. Yeah. I think he plays. Like, we haven't gotten to it he yet. He plays yeah. a lawyer or something later. Um, so uh, before we move on to our final segment here, I want to talk about the ending of the episode. Um, we talked about the fact that he dr- throws the dud like a Frisbee and it doesn't mm-hmm. explode. Um, but the very end where we have that little uh, totally unnecessary scene with the kid playing soccer. <laughs> yes. um, I, what I what escaped me the first time, and I had to go back and watch it again, is that MacGyver tells uh, Barbara that he took this kid around to see the seals. So ostensibly, he took this kid who's been in Barbara's care on an uh, on a field trip she doesn't know about to go <laughs> meet a bunch of Navy SEALs. Uh, he just immediately has these connections with kids that are like borderline inappropriate. They're so intimate. <laughs> um, but he nonetheless has promised 83 Navy SEAL divers are on the way and the kids, the war kids can get their surgeries or whatever the fuck. <laughs> what do we yeah. think of the ending? So this entire episode happens over like 48, 72 hours, right? Right. Uh, right. The kid goes from wearing a knee brace and being able to walk <laughs> to being able to play soccer yeah. with MacGyver at the Correct. end. Of the- it's just like, this must be the quickest recovery yeah. oh my God. I've ever seen in my life. Yes. Oh, I didn't think of that. Um, what I was enraged by was how many bonuses does MacGyver fucking get? Okay. <laughs> he he used his bonus a couple episodes back to repair the car of the old couple that he totaled um in a previous episode. Yeah. And like you can't just use that to explain away everything, um, yeah. which it appears they're you gonna do. Yeah. Yeah. And I just realized they never they never actually asked for money or got paid. It isn't no. like an <laughs> situation where they're like constantly worrying about like how are you paying us? Right, right. Most of the first season, the endings are so abrupt. They're like the action happens, the action's over, it's done. And they've started doing this little extra scene at the end that gives everything closure, which I like. This was the rare occasion where I was like, that was totally unnecessary. Like the <laughs> hug on the edge of the cliff would have been plenty. Have the yes. fucking landmine blow up and run the credits. Like this was so unnecessary. This whole sub subplot with the little kids. <laughs> so dumb. Well, I don't know how to break it to the writers of this episode that we didn't care about the kids. Yeah. Like, yeah. No right. one, it did not hit. <laughs> well, it, it felt to me like it was one of those like, crap, we did not hit our running time. Fine, we'll put 10 <laughs> minutes of the Navy porn at the beginning, yeah, throw them yeah. at the end, and then that'll fill like the 10 minutes we need. Right, right. Yeah, yes. and even those scenes are like, oh, we can pick one up on the dock, and then we'll yeah. do the other in the studio, and it'll like, yeah, yeah there's no action in it, so it's easy to shoot. Yeah. It's just dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, if you think about it, like the meat of the episode, I sort of consider to be like when they're bopping around the uh, landmine island there, yeah. and yeah. that doesn't last that long. I mean, yeah, it's right. really what, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to find out more about what Quessy's up to these days. And we're going to rank our episode on this, a uh, super, uh, scientific, uh, DTNP rating system that we have. <laughs> Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Lori. And I'm Natalie. And together we are the foremothers of Butt Canyon, a self-sufficient utopia to clean the slate and start again. But we can't let just anyone in. Yeah, like what if you're annoying? So every week we'll interview potential residents to see what they can bring to Butt Canyon. You can listen to Settlers wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh my God, that sounded so official. Nailed it! We're back with our guest, uh, Quasi 
before we get into our final segment here, is there anything you're working on that you want to plug or where can people find you or any of that kind of stuff? Oh, God. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Quessy A. Mensa. I, I'm assuming you guys will spell it out in your notes and whatnot. Absolutely. Uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, I'm kind of picking up the rubble of my comedy career when I can actually <laughs> see people in person again. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Well, you've got like, I, uh, you've got kind of a well-rounded thing, too, because you're like, you're getting into short story writing. I've seen you yeah. do an amazing storytelling event. Um, oh, you know, you. it's not just stand up, but uh, often mm. it's funny. It's not always. You also write screenplays. Yes. Last I knew? Yes, uh, I, I uh, wrote screenplays. Uh, I haven't done so in a while. I mm. wrote one that was like, the notes were so bad on it. It was just like, I'm so hurt mentally. No, I'm getting <laughs> back into it though. Uh, but it's also this weird thing where like, uh, I, since my main job is in tech, I have this weird thing where like my Twitter is like half tech, half comedy. And like, mm -hmm. I don't know, like, I don't know if like any, you run into this where like you want to do like some inside comedy baseball thing, but like, oh, all these like, people in your world are like crap I have to explain it to them the, oh yeah I want to retweet this thing but then like oh my coworkers are gonna think I'm really weird for doing that or something like that yes I finally drew the boundary because I had like a half news half comedy Twitter for a while and I was told by friends of mine that it was very jarring because they never <laughs> knew like what they were gonna what was gonna pop up next to my name so with the most recent new job that I got, I finally was like, I am drawing a boundary. This is not a, like, this is my personal Twitter. I am not tweeting about any work. Um, yeah. And that has worked well for me. Um, I have made it clear to my boss and God and everyone in the world <laughs> that like, I will not be tweeting news um, yeah. on my Twitter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think it's good because I don't have like a job that's as publicly facing as yours, Annie. But it's like weird because like one quote will be like, I'm leaving Google because uh, I, I used to work at Google. I'm leaving Google because of all these ethical concerns. And then yeah. two tweets later, it's like a joke about me not getting my dog to poop. Yeah. And yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I could see it's... all these people like this is not the ethical machine learning <laughs> Twitter I was expecting. <laughs> yes. And sometimes there's stuff where it's like, I won't want to tweet about like a news story, but I will want to weigh in on like, if a newsroom is unionizing and I want to support them or like, you know, there are like industry facing things that I feel like I do want to talk about. Um, and so, yeah, some of my comedy friends like may not get that, but yeah. it's also, we just live in a world now where it's like you're you're expected that that product that you're putting out is going to be consistent. You know, we were talking yeah. about, about this with um, uh, Morgan Miller because she kind of went a little bit TikTok famous and then she's been struggling to get the same numbers because she said like people who are on TikTok who are really successful are doing like the same thing every video. You know what I mean? They're yeah. not putting like stand-up stuff up and then a little bit of like, you know, family shit and then a little bit of serious stuff. Yeah. Like it, we're so used to like this channel is for this and yeah. don't give me anything else. I, my brain can't handle it because there's so much shit out there that like when we see Annie's face, we need to know what we're about to see next to Annie's name, you know, because we're already right. scrolling through the feed of a yeah. thousand things, you know? It's weird. Yeah. It's like our brain can't shift gears that fast. Yeah. Well, when you put it like that, it seems like maybe the whole thing is not good. It seems like yeah. social media is breaking our brains somehow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know like I do not have the energy to actually have like, let me go to my tech account. Let me go to my comedy. Oh, account. No. Like I don't have the energy for that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Look yeah. that you can We're figure it out. We're tired. We can't yeah. be switching between two accounts. That's, <laughs> that's a lot. Um, yeah. Well, um, amazing. Yeah. We're going to move on to our final segment here. It's time for it's classified. 
That is right. We are on a mission to figure out what the best episode of MacGyver is. So we are going to rate this episode. Yeah, this is sort of a rapid fire thing on a bunch of categories. And you are our guest, Kwesi, so you go first. On a scale okay. of one to 10, how exciting did you find this episode? Uh, I'm going to say seven. I think once the seven, eight, once we got to like the mine island, I was like, oh, and watching like try not to trip it and like only hearing like the one click and making sure not to sit off the second one. I was, I was in there. I was riveted. Okay. So seven or eight, which one? Eight. Let's say eight. Eight. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the more exciting ones we've seen probably. Um, hard to, you know, stand up against some stuff today. Annie, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think this was on the side of exciting. Yeah, there's literal landmines, there's boats, there's he has an oxygen tank and then he's shedding it Mm. immediately for some reason. So (laughs) you're just like, what is going to happen? So I'm going to say seven. Seven. Okay. Yeah, the stakes were definitely, as we mentioned, higher in this episode than sometimes we're used to, which helps uh, with this sort of thing. I'll give it an eight as well. Um, mm-hmm. How well crafted was this episode on a scale of one to 10? Kwesi, this is like writing, oh, acting, directing, editing, all of that. Uh, let's <laughs> let's put this at a five. A five, okay. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely some of like, this is just stock scenes. You're just filling out, padding your <laughs> runtime. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. All the stuff around like, uh, the first thing the kids ask is, are you guys banging in Spanish? And it was just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Five. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, love it. Okay. What about you, Annie? Yeah, no, I mean, not good. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to like never is very good. Um, I can do a super you. cut of you sighing and then saying that. <laughs> yeah. This like this, I mean, this it's not category, good. <laughs> this category is never going to be like uh, 10 out of 10. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say this, this was a four for me. Four. Okay. That's probably better than your average of a three. I would say I usually um, give it a three. But yeah. It's yeah. Fun. Yeah. I kind of, I guess I'm using the fact that like I enjoyed this episode mm-hmm. as a, like swaying me a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, I feel bad also because like as like I've learned more, not that I've ever done actual TV production, but like I follow all those people on Twitter and read all the articles. You understand how hard it is to get a te- like a episode of television to actually yes. air. Mm. And so yeah. there's a part of me that's like, I want to say a five, but it's like you tried. Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And I, uh, I mean, even just, I'm going to give it some points just for being able to make me care about him drowning in that boat and make me care about him exploding in that mine. Like I also like, I love the scene of the bad guy and the woman in the cabin at the top of the hill, Mm -hmm. you know, with like the light streaming through the windows. It's so clearly on a soundstage. He throws the (laughs) knife at her head. Like it's all very (laughs) Hollywood, you know? Yeah. That was, that was the moment we were supposed to know he was, you know, really bad. Well, then he pulls it out of the wall and stabs it next to her hand. You know, it's yep. very, very menacing. Um, uh, I'll give it a five. Uh, how this? So now we change to one to five as opposed to one to ten. Mm. So on a scale of one to five, how innovative was this episode? This is just all the MacGyverisms that he makes up during the thing. The little string that he ties to the landmine and the mm. pellets spraying everywhere and uh, how he got out of the boat. All the MacGyverisms. How innovative on a scale of one to five? Pellets one. Uh, <laughs> getting out of the boat, I think, was like a. I like it out of four, and especially yeah. like, I like that what, too. Yeah. 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 When you talked about like him having to come up with a plan B on the fly. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna give the episode a four. Let's say four. Cool. How about you, Annie? I agree with the four. I'm gonna also go four because um, I thought the string with the tripwire thing mm-hmm. was like legitimately like I was smart. on yeah. the edge of my seat. That was smart. Yeah. The oxygen tank, the pellet thing was the worst one by far. Yeah. But you know, um, yeah, yeah. 
The I liked I I remember thinking to myself that would probably work like t- tying the string to that thing. Yeah, but then I was like, would it? I just wasn't sure. <laughs> like I, don't know. I wouldn't try it. I'm gonna. It's, put it it that was way. very Next handy time... that he had a messenger bag with string in it. Yeah. Um, right. Next time I'm on Goat yeah. Island, I'm gonna. Have to- <laughs> Yeah, just action fanny pack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, action, action fanny pack. Uh, great. Uh, yeah, I'll give it a four as well. Um, 80s cool factor on a scale of one to five. <laughs> How cool was this as it compares to other pop culture stuff of the 80s on a scale of one to five? I mean, it was so 80s. Like, even just from the, uh, I don't think I've ever listened to the opening theme mm-hmm. oh, all yeah. the way through, yeah. especially that last part where they have like that sliding bass line of like this. Anyway, I'm being a music nerd. But I'm going to say five. It was like pure 80s. (laughs) It could only be more 80s if at some point someone was doing cocaine. Yeah, right, right, right. I mean, they said the word cigarette boat like 10 times. They really (laughs) loved those that fucking speedboat. That was very 80s. Yeah. What do you think, Annie? So my favorite thing that we haven't talked about with the 80s is Barbara's wardrobe, which was the <laughs> most 80s thing to me. And this is the the type of 80s look that just like I saw it and I was immediately like, oh, this reminds me of like my older sister and all of her friends. This mm-hmm. is what they were all wearing um in the late 80s with the same you know like big perms up in the ponytail and the sweatshirt and the kind of stretch pants so i was like yes like i fully recognize this um so i i'm gonna say four out of five like this was a a, a very 80s episode yeah 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 i agree i mean anytime there's like thugs dressed like this um and and modes of transportation that are distinctly 80s like it did seem like we were really into speed boats in the 80s yeah. um uh yeah I, I agree i'll give it a four as well um uh, there are a couple of bonus categories here that are just yes or no uh okay. does he help out an old friend in this episode i wouldn't call no. her an old no. friend no nope. um is he detained against his will Yes. yes, if you count the boat, yeah. I would, because they lock him in there, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. The, I like the fact that they did that very quickly because it made it, you know, the longer it takes them to go lock him in somewhere, the more you think, why aren't they just shooting him? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so they really could have shot him at any point there. And he's like, go do that real quick. Uh, okay, so he was detained against his will. If yes, the next question is, does he does the escape involve duct tape, paper clips, or a Swiss Army knife? Now I'll answer this question for you because... Uh, it is hard to spot, but he does whip out the Swiss army knife to cut a little hole in a plastic jug when he's drowning. Okay. Uh, okay. So he gets an extra two points for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's it. That concludes it's classified. It's time to reveal the results out of a total possible 100 points. This episode receives 69 points. Nice. (laughs) Making it the third best episode of season two we've seen so far. Yes. And you know what that means, Annie. Above it are The Wish Child and Phoenix Under Siege. Um, So pretty good. And below it is Three for the Road, our favorite old man on the road episode. Um, so here I we think, are. I don't know. I, yeah, I, the wish child needs to not be anywhere know, near I the know. top of that list. Question, Cressy. <laughs> so is it a, cause I know for me, like I'm enough of a TV snob that I know when you have a long running show, you tend to have to, you really should start with like the first episode of the second season. Cause that's when they've actually figured out what they're mm-hmm. doing or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Is there like a big jump in quality or a big jump of like how they go about formulating the episodes between the first and second season? 
I think it takes them longer with this show. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I feel like I feel like it's two step they forward, one step back for a while. Yeah, they have <laughs> not hit their stride yet that yeah. I've seen. But um, yeah. it does. We did notice um, there were some changes from season one to season two. They used to have like an entire um, like second story that would happen like before the credits um, that they called yeah. an opening gambit. They yeah. cut that. Um, mm-hmm. And they I think they've done a little bit more like they gave MacGyver a boss, like an actual yeah. like recurring character. Mm-hmm. But he eventually gets a nemesis. That character hasn't been introduced yet. Okay. So um, Although I, I believe he's coming well. fairly. He comes toward the end of this season, I think. And okay. season three, when they move the whole operation to. Uh, Vancouver and have a little more money to play within their production budget. I think that's when mm-hmm. they start to hit their stride. Um, okay. But, and it famously like ABC was kind of like moving them around the calendar for the first couple of years as well. So people didn't know what night it was on. And uh, mm-hmm. so they, they beat all the odds by just, throwing spaghetti at the wall every fucking week with this thing. Um, and you know, you'll watch the next episode. And it'll be totally different. Like, you know, the only thing that's consistent is like MacGyver makes shit. Like yeah. everything else is just different. Um, and this is before the age of serialization, right? So they're not like, there isn't like the season long arcs or whatnot. I mean, really not. I mean, not on this show. I'm yeah. not, I mean, I think other shows have it, but this is really like a, you know, episode of the week adventure of the week yeah. kind of thing yeah. so yeah and that's one of the things that makes it so ham-fisted with the exposition is that they have to introduce an entirely new cast every single yeah. fucking episode it's like a pilot every episode mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um but it's it's been fun um that's pretty much it um Quizzy, thanks for joining us is there anything uh that you want to mention that we didn't get to about this episode or anything else <laughs> no nothing i can think of off the the top of my head i mean i bet there's uh... I bet there's a lot. I mean, I think there was one time during like all the opening sequences where they're flashing to like all the different things, cool things MacGyver's doing. Hmm. And then one of the flashes is just him eating an ice cream cone. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, all right, someone decided that was important for us to see yeah. in the very <laughs> opening part of the show. But right. that was but yeah. That's how you, yeah, that's how you really know who he is, I you, guess. Yeah, uh, the only thing weirder than knowing that uh, is knowing that they reshot that ice cream shot for subsequent credit sequences because his hair color was different in the original episode that it was. So I've got to get the new ice cream shot with his new highlights. Oh my God. <laughs> Love it. Uh, anything you want to say, Annie, before we go? I I don't. I feel like we've covered it all. <laughs> um, I I liked this episode. I felt like yeah. this was this is like uh, toward the top of the list for me. Cool. Awesome. Uh, All right. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget to check out our website at themacgyverpod.com and our socials and our Patreon. It's all at themacgyverpod. If you want to watch old episodes of the show along with us, you can check them out for free on Pluto TV, or you can watch them on Paramount Plus, previously known as CBS All Access, or you can buy the episodes on Amazon Prime. Join us next week when we'll be breaking down season two, episode 16, Out in the Cold. On a personal note, I can't wait to hear what Annie thinks about this episode. I just can't. (laughs) Take care, everybody. And remember, in the immortal words of our buddy Mac, friends are the adventures of life. Good night, everybody.